<clears throat> the thing I've been meditating on uh, the most the last few weeks is just related to um, this topic of weakness. Um, so if I ask the question, is it ever right for us as Christians to boast in anything about ourselves? Um, if you're like me, your, your gut reaction is probably <clears throat> no. You know, you might immediately think of Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Or you might think Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ, by which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And yet, as I've been meditating on this passage of scripture, and specifically this topic, um, it's kind of come out that there, there is actually some areas about ourselves, and it'll become more clear as I go into this, that there is grounds for boasting. And in the end, of course, it all comes back to boasting only in the Lord. Um, but this is in regards to weakness. So if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for the sake of time and everything that I was hoping to cover, Lord willing, this morning, we can't, we're not going to be able to look at the whole passage and go into it all. Um, just had to trim out a lot of things so we can get through this. So we're kind of, we're just going to pick out a few verses here, look a little bit at the broader context. Um, but Lord willing, there'll be something encouraging here. Um, usually when we're assessing, thinking about our usefulness for the kingdom, we start by looking at our strengths. You know, what are we, what are we good at? Um, nobody ever writes a resume and writes, okay, here are my strengths and here are my weaknesses. I mean, pretty much everybody here has probably written a resume before. You don't list your weaknesses on a resume. Um, but when we come into the kingdom, things work a lot differently in how God looks at us. And uh, so that's what we're going to look at here this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, and then chapter 12, verse 5. And then we're going to jump down to chapter, yeah, again in chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. So starting in 1130, it says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Chapter 12, verse 5, On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. And then, uh, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak then I am strong. Um, I have to admit my only hesitancy in sharing on this passage is because it's such a known phrase and it's such a known thought, it, it kind of, I think, can sometimes become cliche-ish. You know, we know, oh, when we're weak, then we're strong. Um, but I think there's a lot of reality in our own lives that we can be missing with how, how deep this really goes and how much we're sometimes still looking at and trusting in our, our strengths 
and trying to downplay our weaknesses when in, in reality God wants us to look at things the other way. Because um, that's where Paul was brought to. He got to the place where he was actually boasting in his weaknesses. He wasn't trying to ignore them. He was rejoicing in what God was doing through his weaknesses. So that's what I wanted us to look at here this morning. And it's not just the reality of weaknesses and struggles we may have, but it's Paul's attitude towards those things. That's the other thing I want to really focus in on is weaknesses and then what's the right attitude towards those things. So looking especially at verses 9 and 10, where it deals with Paul's attitude, first it says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly. So the word boast carries with it the idea of glorying in or exulting in, something you're, you're proud of. Okay, you're boasting in, you're glorying in it. And he says, all the more gladly, this has to do with the idea of gladly is something that's most sweet or most pleasurable to you. So again, we're talking about your weaknesses, the things that typically you don't want to think about. But for Paul, it was something he boasted most gladly in. Uh, and then the other word, so there's, he boasted all the more gladly. And then in verse 10, he says, I am content with weaknesses. Now, your translation might be a little bit better. This is actually not a very good translation of that word because when we think content, you might think I'm okay with it. Right? Is that what kind of comes to mind? I, I can, I'm okay with it. Or kind of a reluctant submission, but you're, you're okay with it. But that's not what the word actually means. Um, the word means to take pleasure in. Um, it's, it has to do with to think well of. So you actually, to say, to, when Paul's saying, I am content, he's actually saying he takes pleasure in all these circumstances. And that's a very, it just gives a very different feel than just I'm content with these things. Um, but that's what he was getting at. So what type of situations? He looks at weaknesses, which has to do with a want of strength, frailty, could be illnesses, just overall weakness. Um, other situations, insults hardships. Um, the words for that kind of have the idea of hardships having to do with like compelling needs or distressing, really distressing situations. Uh, calamities. These are situations that can cause us anguish. Um, it also carries with it the idea of narrowness of space. So if you picture like that idea of like claustrophobic, the situation is so, it's like it, it narrows the space around you and you almost feel claustrophobic in the middle of that trial, that difficulty, that calamity. And then persecution, which is probably the one we have the least experience with ourselves, um, but he has it listed here among this whole category of things that make us weak. Um, so persecution, actually, it, it's kind of interesting. I didn't realize this before. The word has to do with like a pursuit or a chase, like in a hunt. And that's, so that's what, like, that's what the lost who are persecuting Christians are. They're hunting down Christians. And that's what the word actually carries the idea of is hunting down like an animal or chasing. I think, I think there's enough of a general idea here of the idea of weaknesses to say we can kind of just speak generally about trials, difficulties, weak things about ourselves, and just put it all under the category of weaknesses. Because I think that's what Paul's doing here. So from this point on, I, I won't use all those other terms, just the idea of weaknesses, but it kind of encompasses all those things. I think he makes it general enough um, in how he uses the word in the previous verses 
that it kind of fits all those situations. So these aren't talking about sin struggles specifically, like temptations towards sin, struggles with sin in particular. I'd say that because of our weaknesses in certain areas, we might be more prone to temptation or struggles in certain areas of sin. Um, so, it, so these things could lead to that, but that's not specifically what I'm, what I'm looking at here this morning. When we're talking about weaknesses, it's not specifically areas of sin. It's just things about us that cause us to struggle more in some areas than in others. Um, and it can lead us to being discouraged, to despair. And a lot of times there are individual struggles that we're facing that might, might not be as big of a, of a struggle for another person, or it could be circumstances that another person is de- that, you're, that you're dealing with that others aren't. So it's very individualized, I believe, um, with what those weaknesses could be. And so I'm not going to try and get into an exhaustive list of just the different types of things that could be talking about. But some of the things might be, you know, have to do with sicknesses, ailments, um, or injuries that are ongoing or just short term. I think it can be talking about people who are, you know, different types of personalities um, or your mental, like, disposition. Like some people just tend to be a lot more, you know, tend towards depression than others. You know, you might meet one believer, and, you know, I heard one believer saying, you know, he can count on one hand. I was talking about actually John Brashears. Uh, he said he could count on one hand the amount of days he's been discouraged as a Christian. Well, for many of us, we can't relate to that. You know, he just doesn't deal with discouragement the way many do. And that's, again, he, ha- he would have other areas of weakness, but that's not one of them. Um, but for some of us, that tendency is an area of weakness, and we just need to have the right attitude towards it. Um, just some other scriptures to kind of reinforce that it's not kind of an isolated thing. Um, actually, the more I started studying scripture and looking at other passages, the more I realized this is this idea of God showing his strength through his people's weaknesses, it's actually, it's everywhere. Um, it's everywhere in the Bible. You think about, you know, think about Gideon. You know, when you think of Gideon, you don't, you don't think what a what a strong leader, what a great ruler he was. You think, what a, what a weak man, you know, and how God, you know, got their army down to just 300 so that now, okay, now I can show my power. So you'll know it was me. Uh, think about David. You know, he was anointed king when he was around age 15, you know, teenager, but it was 15 years later before he actually became king, and he spent the next 15 or so years of his life on the run in a position of great weakness, Think about Samson with his great strength, but his greatest act was at the very end when he was at his most weak. You know, God shows his power through the weakness of his people. Think about Paul in 2 Corinthians 1. You can turn there if you like, or you can just listen. But 2 Corinthians 1, just a couple of passages here that really emphasize this and where God wants us to bring us to so we're relying only on him. So 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 11, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. 
On him we have set our hope that he will deliver again. So just this idea of um, constantly being in a place where, where you're brought to, brought to completely relying only on God and even despairing of life itself. Um, and this is the same Paul who calls on Christians to rejoice always, you know, to always be rejoicing. And yet there are times that God's going to bring us to places where um, we feel so incredibly weak that we're forced to rely on him completely. Um, think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. So if we're, if we're wanting our lives to be comfortable, many times we can be going in, you know, in direct opposition to what God is actually wanting to do in our lives. And we may f- I mean, naturally, we will fight against weaknesses and things that God brings in our lives to bring us low and humble us, but that's exactly what we need. And if we could have the right attitude to those things, um, it, could, it could really transform you know, how, we, uh, how we're able to stand during those times. I know for me this has been incredibly helpful the last few weeks just in studying this and just having a mindset change and just asking the Lord to deepen that work because it's not something that I think I have down even close, but it's been incredibly helpful just to have that bit of a mindset change, like not just reluctantly submitting to the things that make me feel weak or all the struggles, trials, things that I'm facing, but to actually be able to joyfully embrace those weaknesses and have the right attitude towards them and how, how much that can change um, how you're able to be strengthened and helped through it. Think about the life of Christ. You know, we talk about you know peer appearances of weakness and all the things that, you know how God worked. Think of how you know where Christ was born, the place of his birth, the parents that he was born to. Think about the disciples he chose. You know, all these things that appear to be so weak and foolish in the eyes of the world. Um, think about his lowly servanthood. I mean, I. You know, when you read books typically about what it means to be a great leader, you know, that, that the world puts out, it, it doesn't focus on the things that the Bible does about Jesus. You know, the, the lowly servanthood, the washing of his disciples' feet. Um, it doesn't emphasize those things. It emphasizes things that make you look strong and powerful and confident and all those things. That's what, that's what it means to be strong. Whereas in God's economy, it's, it's different. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The wisdom of God is, is greater than the wisdom of this world. And so looking, and then the greatest example is just thinking about Christ on the cross. When he was at, his, apparently, his most weakest point, he was having the greatest victory over sin and death. You know, when he was on the cross, when he seemed the most weak, he was conquering the greatest. You know, um, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and yet he comes in the appearance of a lamb. And then when we think about ourselves, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, the people God has called, the people God has chosen, the people God has saved, 
First um, Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six it says, "For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong." God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, uh, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in his presence. So he has purposefully chosen to use weak instruments to show his power and show his strength. And that's what any of us here are. If we think we're anything in and of ourselves, we think wrongly. Um, And yet, we can also have a wrong view of our weaknesses where we focus on our strengths instead, and we try to bring those things before God as, these are the areas I'm strong. Whereas I almost think, um, and this might not be the accurate way to look at it, but I almost think, you know, we, we write our resume, these are my strengths, and we don't have our weaknesses there, and God looks at it, and he kind of changes things around. Like, the strengths, mm, we got to work on those. You know, and the weaknesses, these are the things I can really magnify. So I need to put in some of these weaknesses. I can really magnify, my, magnify myself through these. The strengths, I'm going to need to maybe bring you low in, in those areas. And just to clarify, I'm not saying that strengths are somehow bad. Because, that I mean, I think that would be going to the other side of a ditch. It's, it's reliance on those strengths that I'm you know, warning against, and I think scripture warns against, like, like with Paul in this passage, you know, Paul was given these great, uh, and we didn't get into that, um, just for the sake of time, but Paul was given these great visions of heaven, um, and I think in many ways this helped fuel, you know, the zeal he had to do the ministry he did, to go the lengths that he did, to endure all that he did, yet he didn't share those things, he didn't write a book about his experiences in heaven, and and talk about those things. He, ca- it, he only brings it up here. This is the only place that it's even talked about. And it's, it's only because he says, you forced, it's almost like he's saying, you forced me to bring this up. He doesn't want to talk about it. Um, but God purposefully showed him these things, and yet he gave him this messenger of Satan to buffet him, to, to bring him low, to make him weak. And it was purposeful. It was to keep him from becoming conceited. So whatever that thorn in the flesh was, it was to keep Paul humble. And so for any of us that want to know God more, we're pretty much asking God for thorns in the flesh. So as God gives us more of himself, we're also going to receive more things that make us weak so that we rely on him for strength. Um, So just a few things here. Let's see where we're at for time. So just uh, some encouragements here is... uh, to try to not focus on the things that you're weak at in a, in a wrong way, in a negative light, I guess. Um, but instead, you know, if you can list out or think about some of those areas and see how with a right attitude to those things, God could actually use, use them to show his power. I think it was John Piper, I didn't write down who said this, but um, human weakness does not equal spiritual disadvantage. Uh, and I think that's really helpful. Um, God is not using us despite our weaknesses. And that's, again, that's a wrong mindset. He's not using us despite all these weaknesses I have. He's actually demonstrating his power through our weaknesses. And that's, that's, a, very different, that's a very different thing. Um, 
So whatever your area of weakness might be, and, and just kind of a, a warning here, there, there can be sometimes a tendency when you're going through a lot of struggles to kind of, you know, you start applying a lot, a lot of self-pity can come in. And I can say that from experience just because it's something that I've dealt with a lot. And as I've experienced trials and areas of weakness, things that I wish I was stronger in, and you can start comparing yourself with other brothers and sisters, and that's a dangerous thing to do as well. Um, don't compare your trials with other people's trials, your difficulties, your areas of weakness, because all those things can, can lead to a, wrong, a, a focus on the wrong things. You're not focusing on God's power. You're not focusing on what he has given you. Um, you're focusing on others. And again, it leads to envy and self-pity. And, and so that's just kind of a warning, just a, a danger to, to try and pull back from that. And also, just be careful to not pray against weaknesses or things that might cause weakness. Um, now, Paul isn't uh, chided here. You know, God doesn't chastise him for praying this. You know, he says he asks three times, you know, that God would remove um, this thorn in the flesh. And he, the answer is not no. Um, I know sometimes this is looked at as, you know, God's answer was no. Um, but I, I, I think God isn't saying no. He's saying this is how I'm going to answer your prayer. You know, it's, I'm answering it this way. Um, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made, made perfect in weakness. So he's not answering it in the way Paul wants, but he is answering Paul's prayers. You know, God always, he always answers our prayers. Um, it just might not be the way we want him to. Um, but if we can have our hearts and our wills submitted to him and in line with his purposes, then we can joyfully embrace um, what he has, what he's, what he's given to us. So again, um, not, not a reluctant submission, but a joyful embracing. If I had to give a title to the message, I would say it's rejoicing in our weaknesses, you know, learning, learning to rejoice in our weaknesses. Um, I had a really encouraging conversation with a, a brother here. Um, it's actually Mason. He's not here, so I can share about it, I guess. Um, but just sharing a, a lot of discouragements about where I thought I would be you know, when I look back and then where I'm at now and where I thought I would be at this point in life. And maybe you're kind of like me and that you're kind of just discouraged. You wished, you wished you were farther along in some areas. You wished you weren't struggling with some of the same sins. You wish you weren't dealing with some of the same trials that are just ongoing over and over. And what Mason shared was really helpful. He says, was saying that, uh, you know, you were picturing yourself to be one day in a position of strength, whereas God has put you in a position of weakness. And, and you know, and that was really helpful. Um, and, and to be able to learn, because uh, I, I can't joyfully embrace that in my own strength. You, you can't. Um, you'll, you'll, we'll always be naturally fighting against those things. But if we confess those things to God and ask him to change our hearts, um, I, I believe he can help us to actually rejoice in the things that make us weak that we typically would not, we don't want to think about um, or the trials we're facing that are just seem like they're never ending. Um, to, if we could have the right attitude towards those things, there could be great victory. Uh, one thing that Paul Washer shared that maybe some of you have heard his messages before, it's something he said uh, a number of times, but he said, your problem is not you're too weak. Your problem is you're too strong. 
And, and that's a lot of times, we, we ha- again, we have the wrong mindset. We're focusing on our strengths that we would like to have and our, weaknesses, you know, and our weaknesses in a negative light. And so God's calling us to endure something or to do something, and we're saying, I can't do that. And our focus is completely wrong. The problem is not you're too weak. The problem is you're too strong. You're still relying on the things in and of yourself to overcome that, and that's why you feel overwhelmed. Your problem is not you're too weak. You're too strong. You know, if we, if we would just fully give ourselves into the Lord's hands and ask him to change our hearts, there might be greater victory. Uh, there would be greater victory. Um, I like the way uh, Francis Ridley Havergal puts it. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she said how she starts off this one um, poem or th- of surrender. She says, in full and glad surrender, I give myself to thee. So just think about that. It's you're giving yourself fully in surrender to God, but there's also gladness. In full and glad surrender, I give myself to thee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help each of us to find our strength in you and to lean on you in everything. Help us to not trust in our own strengths, um, but to rely entirely on you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a good and kind father who gives good things to your children. And even when those things are incredibly difficult and, and trying and bring out the weakest parts of us, um, it's all, they're, they are still good gifts that you give us. Uh, and uh, I thank you for the privilege it is to, to be one of your children and that you did not leave me, you did not leave us to ourselves uh, to go on in our sin and, and loving those things more than Jesus. And I thank you that for many of us here, you have opened our eyes to see um, your glory in the face of Christ. And uh, as Paul says here, he, all these things are for the sake of Christ. Um, everything we endure is for the sake of Christ. And I just pray that you would help us by your spirit to get a renewed vision of the person of Jesus, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, and that we would learn to see past whatever we're struggling with, whatever areas we're weak in, um, but that we would look to Christ and keep looking to Christ and be willing to endure everything for the sake of Christ. And uh, we just thank you for your goodness to your people. And I just ask that, um, that you would glorify your name in applying these things to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.